This week's Adam Schefter podcast, the NFL trade deadline is under one week away. We've already seen action with the New England Patriots sending a second round draft pick to the Atlanta Falcons from Mohamed Sanu. And last week, the Rams sending two first round picks and a fourth round pick to Jacksonville for the Pro Bowl cornerback Jalen Ramsey. And tying those trades and all the others ahead together today will be the Rams general manager, Les Snead, who looks back on that deal. We also will have the former Patriots vice president of player personnel, former Chiefs GM, and former Falcons assistant GM, Scott Pioli, who's made a number of trades in his time, and we'll take your questions on another episode of Ask Adam. First up, though, the Rams general manager, the man who had a crazy week last week, Rams GM, Les Snead. Joining us now... The man who one week ago at this time was busy pulling off three different trades during the course of the day, sending Marcus Peters, the former Rams cornerback to the Baltimore Ravens, acquiring Austin Corbett, an offensive lineman from the Cleveland Browns, and then later that night in the capper of all, sending two first-round picks and a fourth-round pick to the Jacksonville Jaguars for Jalen Ramsey. The Rams general manager, Leslie Les, thank you for taking the time today to join us. Much appreciated. How's it going, Adam? Well, you've had a, quite a week here. You're basically coming off a victory against the Falcons. You're on your way to London to face the Cincinnati Bengals, and you've got a whole host of new players. What has this whole week been like for you, Les? Well, it, I, I, I do know this. If the, the one thing I do remember is I basically uh, the team, when we, when, we, when we travel east three, three hours time difference, we, we, we travel on Fridays. I do know that after last week, there was no way I could get on a plane and come to Atlanta on a Friday based on we're going to stay in Atlanta, then depart for London on Thursday in that, you know, I hadn't even packed yet. So uh, I delayed my flight to be able to basically take care of some things in life on Friday and pack up and then, and then flew in on Saturday. But, uh, you know, when you have a week like that, there's, you know, usually that dominates and the, and the rest of the world is doing their thing. And, and, that, and that's what I remember most about last week. Do you ever remember pulling off three separate trades in one day less? The answer is no, uh, in that I do know, there has been times when we we were probably a part of pulling off four trades in one day, but that's a little bit of a uh, misconception in that when you agree to terms on trades uh, during the off season, they can't be uh, right. made official until the first day of the league year. So all of a sudden, there's four trades, you know, from one team. But usually, those occur over the course of maybe two months before the start of the league year. So. Uh, I can say no way on three trades in one day. Had there ever been a time that you remember that reminded you of what you saw yesterday? Uh, I don't think so. In, yeah. in, in my t- again, going back to uh, you know the start of the new league year, some of those things occur, and and you and you see moves being made right there. That kind of unrestricted free agency frenzy and all that, but. In terms of during the uh, season, uh, have not. What? Uh, so, so tell me how how it happens. Like, how do we sum up making three trades in one day? Like, how, how does that happen? Well, if 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 since it's a podcast, a little bit longer. It's not made for TV. <laughs> hey, take all the time TV. you want, Les. Yeah. So, 
let, let's go back to let's let's go back to uh, interestingly. I would probably go back. I'm trying to think. I get my so let's go 2018 draft mm-hmm. and, and maybe even the 18 season. During the 18 season, we we uh, uh, we claimed a player, Darius Williams, uh, from Baltimore, and he was a corner. One of the reasons we claimed Darius is we we did like him in probably the that 17 draft. So I'm getting my whatever I get right. So we claimed it, knowing that you know what we have a key to lead. We got Marcus Peters. Uh, you know their their contracts are are on the horizon. Uh, it's always good to add, you know, young depth at corner. Same when we did David Long in the draft. So the interesting thing, though, uh, and the way these things go, at no point probably in any planning did we say, uh, you know, let's let's solve our dilemma conundrum, but really our reality, right? You, yep. you have two two good cornerbacks if they – do you resign them? Do they go somewhere else? If they go somewhere else, whatever the case may be, you do have to either fill that hole from within and all these things. So from within, maybe David Long, Darius Williams, and Darius started the other day. But Jalen Ramsey was never in the formula. But when he, when that opportunity became available, I always uh, – one of the things we think in, in the Rams is, hey, it, there's an opportunity out there. Is that actually good for the Rams? at this particular time, even though we weren't thinking of that ourselves, it just presented itself. But so we started exploring that and ultimately right on, Hey, we had an injury to Joseph note boom that led to the Austin Corbett trade. And then as the Jalen Ramsey, let's call it timeline heated up where, uh, Hey, he wanted to trade. They weren't going to trade him. They now might trade him. The only way we could acquire uh, Jalen was based on all we've done, starting with Aaron Donald and and to Jared Goff was to to baby, tr- transfer some salary and salary cap to a, to either the Jaguars or another team, and, and that in turn how is how Marcus Peters was traded, and now Jalen Ramsey yeah. is a Ram. When did it dawn on so, you that the Ramsey trade was going to go through less? Because there have been a lot of talk about Jalen Ramsey in recent weeks. A lot of teams mentioned the Chiefs, the Eagles, the Ravens so on and so forth. But when did it become obvious to you that Jalen Ramsey was going to be a Los Angeles Ram? Well, I, I, I think it probably not until uh, – I would say it, it probably went from doubtful, right, uh, for, many var- for many reasons and variables. Uh, it, it's, it's easy for us to, to, let's call it evaluate, vet, analyze Jalen Ramsey and say, okay, he, he can help the Rams, right? as a cornerback uh that that's the simplest most obvious thing we could have done the the other variables right at that point in time uh the jags did not want to trade him and and i I actually think they did a really really nice job of, of trying to probably solve their their situation when when uh when Jalen met with their owner Shad and then didn't play that Sunday, mm-hmm. common sense said, "I wonder what they're thinking now." Right? Yep. Uh, they could have easily been thinking, "Hey, we're going to keep uh, trying to solve this situation internally." But there is an element of common sense that says maybe uh, we'd have a chance. And and I know, and I don't know if Dave reached out to me. I reached out to Dave at some point 
it was some point after that game, and he did say, "Hey, you know, we're going to sit down, and 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 the and the time could be right to to now make a move." So, uh, I think it was really that Sunday when he didn't play after meeting with Shad. I could tell that was the last straw, and there was a different tone around the organization, Jacksonville, that is that they were now open to listening after that last incident when basically Jalen Ramsey and Shad Khan, the Jaguars owner, had to sit down. He didn't play after Shad Khan publicly said he expected him to. And that, to me, was the last draw and the final instance in which they were going to move on, and they wound up making the deal with you at that point in time. So what do you expect Ramsey to bring to your team, Les? Well, I think what what he what he brings to the team in, in – simple football terms is we saw it a little bit this weekend uh, and we've seen it plenty in the past with Jacksonville. Uh, if, if that particular Sunday, your defensive staff wants to, uh, you know, let, what do we call it? Mirror shadow follow, you know, what's the, the good buzzword of, Hey, the, the other team's, number one receiver and man what that does enable you to do right is do more creative zone stuff uh, you know at the other parts of the field blitzes things like that and, and you're not always going to do that you're not always going to put someone in man it's not that simple because teams can run man beaters and, and, and you have to have answers for that but I think what he does very similar to an Aaron Donald right he he can change the way an offense uh has to has to attack you that way so they may have been doing a certain way maybe who they are uh you know coming into your game but uh, having players like an Aaron Donald and a, and a Jalen Ramsey will change the course of what they're going to do does it mean that they don't figure it out and that course is actually uh let's you know successful that day but uh that's in in, in a nutshell what Jalen can do Oh, so here's my question. You guys traded multiple first-round picks to move up to get Jared Goff. You traded a first-round pick to get Brandon Cooks. You traded multiple first-round picks to get Jalen Ramsey. Do you think that the value of first-round picks is not what it was? Do you think it's more appropriate to build with star players, proven veterans? Do you think that first-round picks no longer mean what they once did? Uh so I'll go this. I do think, and we'll, and I'll try to knock them out. And we can figure out uh, wh- where where we're at uh, with it. Right. Number number one is I think you you we, you have to be honest with yourself, your organization, or where you're at. Are you building? Are you actually close to breaking through? Did you just break through? Are you contending? When I say contend- contending, that usually means are you a viable contender for your division? Right. If you're that that can get you to the tournament at that point in time there's good teams in the tournament uh and a lot of things can happen right that it, it hey, where you plan weather turnovers things like that but are you contending and do you want to continuously contend so at one point uh i was a general manager of the of the rams and we were actually truly building right i, I forget the 2012 season there was a subset of maybe 20 players who were on the 1153 who weren't with so who basically has 30 players left from a team the previous year and we went back to back years with uh two first round picks uh in two consecutive drafts at that point you're there's an element of building right but we didn't stay pat with those first round picks and just pick 
we did say, hey, that is a method of acquisition. How do you maximize that? At that point in time, right, we felt like if we move back and maybe get another first-round pick, more second and third-round picks, we're collecting more real estate in the first, second, third rounds where you can kind of get the the top 100 players. Uh, uh, I do think there's a piece. Are you looking for a quarterback that you believe you can win with? Take whether he's a top-five quarterback, whether he's a quotation-mark franchise quarterback out of it. That's 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 good entertainment. I call it Monday through Saturday, uh, and 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 nice to talk about. Ultimately, right? Each organization has to determine. Hey, do they have the guy taking the snap every single play on the offensive by the ball they believe they can win with? And if you don't, it's probably best to to keep your assets because you made the you like you said we we moved up that year uh, to pick golf. Uh, but then, then there gets to when you actually are contending and you're winning divisions, you're going to the playoffs, you're actually picking a little bit later in the draft. So you're picking in the 20s, late 20s, early 30s, whatever there may be. So at that point in time, last year we had a first-round pick, yeah. but we felt like if we move back from 31 a few times, let's just call it instead of having three picks mm-hmm. or two picks in the first and third round, we could end up getting five picks in the second and third round. So instead of having two players, we get five in the top 100 or what have you. Uh, and the other one you get to with this, and this is this will be, and I bored everybody now. I look at it like this a little bit. Uh, with draft picks, and let's take the Jalen Ramsey case, mm-hmm. we gave up two first-rounders. So let's just call our 2020 first-rounders Jalen Ramsey. Yep. Ultimately, you look at it like this. You have two entrepreneurs. You have two really good ideas, right? There's a there's a probability that they, their ideas can become productive businesses. On the other hand, you have Jalen Ramsey, and at the end of the day, in his genre uh, of work, and let's call it at the cornerback positions, he is actually one of the top businesses, yep. right? That's whether he's one, two, three, four, five. You can look at the spreadsheet you can look and go okay that's one of the top in that field is it better to take uh two maybe uh really good ideas that could be really good uh businesses and go acquire one that you know so that that's ultimately how you look at it and we look at it like this our 2020 pick is Jalen Ramsey and and we had to give up another uh, potential starter to be able to acquire that type of player. <laughs> and do you think, less with the trade deadline being a week away, we'll see more activity either from your team or all the other teams around the league already this morning, and we're taping this Tuesday uh, at about 10 Eastern, but do you think we'll see more activity either from your team or others in the week ahead following the Sanu trade to New England this morning? I, I You know what? I, I The answer is yes. I think uh, I was able to, to watch – uh, your Monday night pregame show. I think y'all were discussing the same subject uh, last night, and then you wake up this morning, and one of the teams that played last night has actually already made a trade. <laughs> but I do think the interesting thing about the the trade deadline is, I think there's a subset of teams are trying to figure out where you know where their 2019 season is at, and the closer you get to to the halfway point. Uh, the more data you have on where you're at. And at that point, is it better to, uh, you know, use some of your uh, really, really good players to acquire future picks uh, or 
things like that. And I, and I think it, we went through that last year with, with Dante Fowler. We really needed uh, what we felt like uh, an edge presence. We had been knocking on the Jaguars' door, you know, probably since early in the season. Uh, they didn't decide to make the trade until probably right around the trade deadline. So uh, I think you have all those variables going in place. So I do think – I don't think it may be a flurry like we saw last week, but I do think there's going to be some movement sprinkled between now and then. Hey, Les, I want to thank you for the time today. Wish you all the luck and success in the world as you travel across the pond to play the Cincinnati Bengals on Sunday and appreciate taking the time before you leave today. Hey, uh, thanks for having me. I always look forward to chatting with you. We all love a night out, whether it's seeing our favorite band in person or being there in the crowd to cheer on our favorite team. With the Vivid Seats Rewards Loyalty Program, you can attend the concert or show of your choice and earn credit towards your next live event. Vivid Seats is the top source for tickets for all the live events you want to go to. You can sort by price or look for seats in the section and row of your choice, all in the Vivid Seats app. To make things even better... Vivid Seats now has a loyalty program that allows fans to earn credit back. All you need to do is use the Vivid Seats app to purchase tickets and start earning today. Go to the App Store or Google Play and download the Vivid Seats app. Fans are automatically enrolled in the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program. Every purchase is backed by a 100% buyer guarantee. From the biggest concerts and games to the hottest theater shows and more, Vivid Seats has it all. Download the app and join the Vivid Seats Rewards loyalty program today. Make a memory that lasts a lifetime and let the Vivid Seats app help you get to your favorite live event. And if you enter the promo code ESPN25, you'll get 10% off your next order. That's promo code ESPN25. And I appreciate the questions. We sent out a tweet on Monday night requesting your questions. You have responded. We do appreciate them. And I'm going to bring in my producer, Gabe, to ask your questions and answer them today. And again, thank you very much, Gabe. You there? I'm here. I'm here. Thanks for having me, Adam. You got it, Gabe. What do we got today? Uh, question number one comes from B17 Bomber. Adam, what is your opinion as to the reason why the Falcons have declined so rapidly in just two seasons? Well, Gabe, I think you start with the defense. Dan Quinn made a change as, at the defensive coordinator spot, takes over as the defensive coordinator himself, and look what's happened. The defense has got obliterated. They can't stop anybody. And when you can't stop anybody, that's putting the pressure on the offense, takes you out of the running game where they invested money in the offensive line to be able to run the football and protect Matt Ryan. And so there are a lot of issues. I think that they paid some huge sums of money for some players, but the bottom line is I think it starts with the defense in Atlanta, which triggers everything else, Gabe. Panthers gang 4L. Adam, what do you think the Panthers will do in their quarterback situation? Listen, right now they've made it very clear Kyle Allen is the starting quarterback. We talked about this on Monday Night Countdown, Gabe, and I would just say this. Look at the facts. With Cam Newton as the starting quarterback this season, the Panthers were 0-2. With Kyle Allen as the starting quarterback this season, the Panthers are 4-0. So the short-term answer is very simple. Kyle Allen's your quarterback. Now, the long-term question becomes interesting. What do you do with Cam Newton? Do you trade him after the season? Do you trade him in the next week before the trade deadline? Would that be possible? So there are obviously some questions that they'll have to answer about Cam, but I think all we could look at is right now, and right now, Kyle Allen is the quarterback of the Carolina Panthers. Next question comes from Ihaz Cooper. The Raiders just traded former first-rounder Garyon Conley. Ihaz Cooper wants to know, what players are the Raiders looking at? What's the plan in Oakland? Well, it's interesting. 
I had heard the Raiders were going to be buyers at the trade deadline and that they were looking for pass rush help, linebacking help, and that was the focus. So obviously, I think that they felt like they could move on without Conley. They didn't really care that much for him. Again, a different regime drafted him, and so they've moved on from that pick now, trading him to Houston for a third-round pick. But I believe over the next week, you're going to see the Raiders try to trade for a pass rusher, a linebacker, come up with some solidifications for that defense to try to help them on this postseason push. Next to last question comes from Niner King 559 Will the Niners make any moves before the deadline? Yeah, I think they will. Um, it's a situation where I think they're looking for some wide receiver help as we tape this. And, and again, uh, this is at 10.30 Eastern, almost 11 Eastern on Tuesday. I think over the next week the Niners will be busy. They'll be active. Look, they're unbeaten. They haven't lost the game. They've got an opportunity. They're having a great season. So why would they not try to get more help? I would think at the wide receiver position with some of the injuries they have there right now, I think that they'll be looking. And I think the 49ers, like the Raiders, will be buyers, Gabe. Last question of the day comes from Griffin, WEI1. Do you think Leonard Williams will be on the move at the deadline? Uh, it's a name that the Jets have shopped. And I will say this. If you're playing the way the Jets did on Monday night, and Leonard Williams played well in that game, by the way. If you're playing that well and you can't compete with the Patriots and you're going to be moving forward here, what's the difference whether you have or don't have Leonard Williams? You lose with him, you could lose without him and have the extra pick. The question is, can they get back, uh, let's just say, a second-round draft pick for that guy? Uh, and turn something of value. But I think that they absolutely are listening on Leonard Williams, Gabe. And I think the question will become whether they can find an attractive enough offer to keep somebody like that who was a former top pick. I'd like to see him hold on to him because I think he's a good player and I think he could work out. But I think they'll be listening and I think they'll be all ears as the October 29th trade deadline approaches. Joining us now, the former vice president of player personnel for the New England Patriots, the former general manager for the Kansas City Chiefs, and the former assistant general manager of the Atlanta Falcons, who made a trade earlier today as we begin to record this. My friend, the great Scott Pioli. Scott, thanks for taking the time today. Much appreciated. Oh, Adam, pleasure being here. Thanks for having me, really. We've had a busy day already. We saw the New England Patriots send a second-round draft pick to your former team, the Atlanta Falcons, for the wide receiver Mohamed Sanu. How would you assess this trade, and did it surprise you? Um, you know, it uh, was both of my former teams, right? Correct, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, no, it did not surprise me at all. Uh, first of all, yeah, this was something that was being talked about uh, when I was there prior to this, this year's draft. We were talking about it when I was with the Falcons. Those conversations were, were happening then, uh, and it didn't get done. And again, the feeling was that the, the Falcons were on track for to have a, a good season, a strong season, and uh, Muhammad was going to be an important part of that. But I think the way things are working out right now for the Falcons, this made a lot of sense to the Falcons to move on from Muhammad. I think it made a lot of sense for the New England Patriots to acquire a player. And, again, Adam, it made a lot of sense for a number of reasons. I mean, first of all, you know, the, the, uh, what the Falcons are acquiring in a second-round pick, albeit it'll be a late second-round pick, and versus what was being offered by other clubs for Muhammad, um, which was only a third-round pick. By I, My understanding is that the 49ers were talking about a third-round pick, and a couple of other clubs might have been talking about a third-round pick. So even though this is going to be a pick that's more likely at the end of the second round, it's better value mm-hmm. for the Atlanta Falcons. 
It may be the last pick in the second round, in which case they'll be getting calls from teams that want to trade up to that last pick that night before uh, they go off the clock there in round two, right? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, and the Falcons, have, you know, they're, they're minus a couple of picks for this year's draft uh, because of some of the moves that happened in, in this past draft, in the 2019 draft. So th- th- this should this has a chance to help the team. You know, it's always currency. Anytime you acquire more picks, there's more currency either to try to acquire another player or to use in another trade to move up further in the draft. The trade deadline is Tuesday, October 29th, 4 o'clock Eastern. Let's take just these two teams for now. Mm-hmm. Do you expect the Patriots to make more moves? Do you expect the Falcons to make more moves as your two former teams? Well, I, you know, I don't know if the Patriots will make many more moves. This was a big move because of, you know, they have so many injuries and players that are banged up and, you know, I, I think um, th- there's only so many trades that they can make from a cap standpoint. But this player, Mohamed Sanu, fits their um, fits so many things that they want. He's a high character guy. He's a hard worker. He gets it in every way. He will fit in immediately with Tommy and into that offense. He will provide you know a, a style of receiver that they don't have. And right now, with some of the injuries that they've had on their offense, um, the offense has looked a little bit different this year. So. Mm-hmm. Um, again, he helps them there. I don't know if there's a whole, you know, many more trades they can make. Are there players that they could use? Yeah, but you know, one thing that we started doing years ago when we were at the Patriots, and you know, when I was there from 2000 to 2009, is we always left a little mo- bit of money available in case it was opportunity because we always knew that there were going to be teams out there that had good players, realized at some point in time close to the trading deadline that there would be you know some some moves made to unload players. So I think the Patriots the amount of salary that they're picking up this will probably lock them in a little bit unless there's a player that they can trade for um in this short time and get a contract um you know a paragraph 5 reduction negotiated into it. Now on the flip side you ask about the Falcons um the, the big thing is with the Falcons they don't have many players because of their cap situation Adam uh, there aren't many moves that they can make, and you know this is—it's an interesting thing, where you know I'm hearing and reading a lot about teams that need to make fire sales, and you know the Falcons should be trading this player, they should be trading that player, but not every—you know—every player is tradable, but not every contract is tradable. So there's a number of players on the Falcons at this point in time. The Sanu trade was a good thing for them in the sense that you know he had. Uh, a base salary of $6.5 million this year, and that's what he has in 2020. Um, so this year, the contract is tradable because they immediately pick up about $3.8 million. You know, he's making a 6.5 base this year, 17 weeks of payments. That prorated portion is uh, the $3.8 million that they pick up in savings this year. Now, next year, he only has one year left on his contract, so that $1.4 million of prorating signing bonus from his original contract is all that will be hitting against their cap. Yeah. Now, there's a number of other players that you know they're saying that the Falcons can trade, but because of some of the contracts, the way they are constructed, there's so much acceleration in those contracts, they won't be able to, to trade them. Like, for instance, contracts that are tradable right now for the Falcons are Vic Beasley because he's in that, on that one-year mm-hmm. tag. You know, perhaps... Austin Hooper is tradable um, because he's in the last year of his rookie contract, and there won't be any any acceleration. You know, because the big thing is again w- with the Falcons here, Adam is 
they're currently before this Sanu trade, they were currently sitting at about a number of $22 million over the cap for the 2020 season, which is the highest number over the cap next year. This gives them a little bit of relief, so now they're only sitting at about 15.5 over the cap. But again, they have a lot of contracts that unfortunately for them are not tradable. Well, you know, it's interesting because once you make this move with Sanu and once their record is what it is, I think that they are turning the page and saying, okay, I, I, you never wave the white flag on the season, but you're saying anyone's available, we're willing to make any moves, and you wonder how far this sort of rebuilding will go, if you will. Yeah, it's, um, and here's what's clear. They've, they've accepted the fact that this is not going to be, you know, they're, where they're at, they're, it's not going to be a playoff year. And... Um, there's no way that they can recover. And that's unfortunate, you know, for everybody involved, for the players that are uh, currently under contract, for the head coach, the assistant coaches, the owner, the fans. Everyone knows at this point in time, once this trade is made, everyone knows that the team is looking towards 2020. And, um, again, you're right, Adam. It's It's not waving a white flag, essentially, but, again, in some ways, it is. And but it's, it's signaling a new direction, Scott, is what it's doing. Yeah, or, or I don't know if it's a new direction because, again, hopefully a it's different not direction. A new direction because I, you know, new direction to me makes me think that there might be other changes, right? You know, that might involve Dan or Thomas, and and you know, I, I, w- I would hate to see that happen. They're they're good people, and we, you know, hey, I've unfortunately been fired, had to fire people. And had friends fired, and, yeah. and that that part is a really tough part of the business. I know we all sign up for it, but I'm hoping it's not a new direction for folks like that. A different direction, but my point is, if you are willing to trade a player who's a really good player, Mohamed Sanu, who you were unwilling to trade before, then I would say you're willing yeah. to trade almost anybody. Yeah, as long as almost you can... anybody that's tradable. You're correct. 100% right, Adam, and and. Not only is he a good player, right? He's not a great player. He's a good player. He's an even. He's a better than good or a very good locker room presence. He has helped a lot of people because um, he he does his job, right? He is a worker. He cares about the team. He's a good teammate. Um, he's he's a tremendous locker room presence. So, so that he will be felt as well. Yeah. So he will be ready for what's ahead in New England. Absolutely. One hundred percent. You know, and he's got a couple of teammates up there that um, that you know, former Rutgers teammates that he knows well, from Cordy Brothers, and that you know, that's like Rutgers North up there. <laughs> it really <laughs> is, isn't it? More solidified. That oh, and by the way, you know, uh, Stephen Belichick, who who works with their defensive backs, played a year at Rutgers after he <laughs> used up his lacrosse eligibility. So he spent some time in the locker room with a bunch of those guys. So. He is, he will fit in 100%, and he knows the deal. And, you know, that's one of the important things about that Patriots program is getting players in there that understand what the culture is like because, you know, that culture isn't for everyone, Adam. I mean, you know that very well, and, you know, you know the folks up there. Um, it's not for everyone, and Muhammad will fit in perfectly. What on the field will he bring to the Patriots? I think what he'll give is a big target that is another physical inside target. You know, what's interesting is, you know, you're watching Edelman, um, and he, he's a guy who's always been able to go to the middle, go in the middle of the field at different levels and willing to take hits and receive hits from everyone. 
he's injured right now. That changed a little bit. So maybe this allows him to use him a little bit differently. You know, the fact that Gronkowski is gone. Yes, they've got Benjamin Watson now who can do certain things. I think he's going to give them a short and intermediate presence in the middle of the field that may not be, or there may be something that's missing a little bit right now. So I think he will, even though he's a big receiver and he's a physical receiver, I think the other thing he's going to give them is a guy who can block in the running game, and that is paramount, you know, when all the years with Bill, you know, 18 years with Bill, receivers that can block are critical because they set a tone and they do a job. I also should ask you, Scott, we've seen more trades in recent years than I think ever before. Why do you think there's been more activity in recent years? Well, I think it's, an, it's a combination of things, Adam. I think that teams have, better, have a better handle on the cap. So when they, when they have teams that have cap room can not only acquire players in trades more easily, they can get rid of players more easily. So I think teams, I mean, it's, teams have done a better job of, the, of managing the cap. Oh, and by the way, the cap has gone up in exponential numbers year to year. So because there's greater cap, cap space, that makes it easier. I also think that a lot of general managers now, because um, it used to be just coaches got fired, right? And the pressure was on the coaches to win now. I think that general managers now, they certainly don't receive the scrutiny that head coaches do, but that has shifted a little bit. And I think general managers build less for the long term and are looking more at the short term. So they keep their jobs and maybe get themselves their contract extension or get themselves a second contract that they're more willing to make some bold moves and make trades are you anticipating more activity in the week ahead leading up to the tuesday october 29th deadline absolutely because i think right now that there's an you know there's a lot of disparity in the league where there's a lot of teams that have some cap space and are near the bottom of their division and there's some folks that are in, in jobs and positions where they're feeling a little bit threatened, and they think that they have to make some quick moves now. And there's a couple of teams that are on the fringe that can make, maybe rise up. So I think there'll be some more action out there. That's good. It'll keep you busy, right? Oh, yeah. No, it's going to be busy. It's been busy. <laughs> and look, you think about all the trades that have been made since the summer, right? We saw Laramie yeah. Tunsil traded. We saw Jadevian Clowney traded. We saw Minka Fitzpatrick traded. We saw... Marcus Peters traded. We saw Jalen Ramsey traded. We saw Mohamed Sanu traded. Like, think about right. those names since the season has really begun. It's a lot already. Yeah, and they're big names. And, you know, Adam, again, right now, the, the, the example of this trade by the Falcons is, is very indicative of why it might ramp up, too, because here's a team that believed that they were going to be good, thought they were going to be good, so they held off on the Sanu trade prior to the draft because they thought they were in the competition now you've got some teams where whether they're getting pressure from ownership or whether it's a head coach looking to make a move now thinking of next year or a general manager thinking of the future wanting more picks you know this is a, this is a perfect example why i think there's going to be more trades because i think this is the time of year that teams have realized well we're not as good as we thought we we're going to be we've got a couple of injuries it's time to move on you know again or teams in situations again using the falcons as an example I'm not saying that i know anything but, you know, a player like Austin Hooper, where they don't have enough cap space to get him extended next year or to tag him next year, do they say, okay, this season isn't going as, as I think it's going to go. 
let's get something for him now while we can, rather than him signing somewhere next year and us only getting a fourth round or a third round compensatory pick. Maybe we can get a little bit more action from a team that really needs a tight end that's in the playoff run. Could they get a two for Austin Hooper right now? I think it's possible. I think it's possible. And because he's he's a good football player, because if you're a team that's looking to trade for a player and you have cap space, you think of the reality of, all right, well, we could wait till next year's draft. That's why right now, you know, I think a lot of general managers are on the phone with their college directors saying to their teams, hey, who are the best tight ends in the country that we think are coming out in this year's draft? Are these players better than Austin Hooper? How many are there? And how much better are they? So where a team who has maybe a small window says, okay, this might make sense to trade a two now because we, Austin Hooper, you know, the concept of the Austin Hooper player won't be sitting on the draft board when we're picking in the second round this year. Maybe it's worth it, even though we're going to have to pay for a new contract next year. You know who could use Austin Hooper for a two? Who's that? New England. Yeah, <laughs> I actually knew that's where you're going. Now, it's, now the thing is, can New England absorb that contract? Uh, you, you know, can they absorb a new contract next year? But here's the thing, you know, uh, the New England Patriots are looking at a at a time. This window is how many more years is it going to be for Tommy? Is this his last year? Is I, next I year think his it's, last I think year? it's going to be his last year in New England. I mean, it's shaping up that way. We'll see. It, you know, and and I, I don't disagree with you, Adam, and that's why making a trade like that might also make sense. I, you know, so uh, I'm right there with you. Yeah, they could use a player like Austin Hooper. Well, Scott, you were tremendous today. I appreciate your time. It's going to be a busy week ahead. We will do this again, and I look forward to doing it again. But I wanted to get your thoughts on the Sanu trade, as well as the trade deadline, and why we've seen much more activity in recent years. And as always, you came through. Well, thank you, Adam. Again, it's a pleasure, and I'm willing to come back anytime. Thank you so much for having me, truly. And so thank you, the listeners, for your questions for another week of Ask Adam Questions. Truly appreciate it. That segment would not be possible without you. Thank you to the former Falcons assistant general manager and chief general manager, Scott Pioli, for his great insight into the trade deadline and the move that the Atlanta Falcons and New England Patriots made on Tuesday morning. Special thanks to the Rams general manager, Les Snead, who looked back and reviewed the Jalen Ramsey trade and the other moves that he made last week. And special thanks to you, the listener, for tuning into another podcast. Please join us again next week when we'll recap the upcoming week, look ahead to the trade deadline and recap that as well. And until then, have a great week, everybody.